You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Throw the ball to lock it and Metcalf. No chance to this time as Gary returns to the field and has a sack of Russell Wilson. Number 77. That penalty is declined. The result of the play. First down, Green Bay. That's Rashawn Garrett coming off the edge. The hold was on Andrew Whitworth. The left tackle, who he was going up against, just a, a really great job by Gary getting off the ball. I don't think Stafford really felt the pressure that was coming in behind him. You see, he hits the elbow, ball comes out. Pretty good. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again into Packers Total Access. I am your redneck fanalist as always, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. That is actually a lot harder than I expected it to be. But anyway, guys, we've got a cool little uh, couple of segments set up for you. Probably going to be kind of a short show today. And uh, we're going to talk about the edge defender position. And and really, really excited about covering this. Um, As you guys know, Rashawn Gary is set to have a huge breakout year, uh, you know, coming up. And and obviously we got Preston Smith inked to a five-year deal, so that's exciting. And uh, we've also got the rookie Kingsley Inegbar that's under contract here for four years. So we're going to be kind of looking at what – that may uh, how that may unfold for the edge defender position. And for the history segment, we're going to talk about arguably the greatest edge defender to ever play for the Green Bay Packers. And that does include Reggie White. It's kind of a, it could go either way. It could go 1A, 1B. Um, you know, it, it, really, when you talk about Reggie White and who we're going to cover today in Willie Davis, man, could you imagine if you had them both on your defensive line during the same season. That would be something else. And that's one of the reasons why I like some of the lists that people put together in the all-time teams. I'm a big geek, big fan when it comes to uh, the all-time NFL teams, especially when it's team-specific. But we're going to talk about the impact that Willie Davis had on Lombardi's Packers and, and talk about some of the statistics that at the time were not being recorded and have since been added in um, after going back and watching old footage and things like that. People have kind of determined uh, exactly how many sacks he had. And really, we're going to talk about the leadership aspects he brought to the Lombardi Packers. So that's going to be a really cool segment. Then we're going to climb into the uh, edge defender position, and we're going to break down all the contracts on what we think will be the projected um, four or maybe five players that will make the roster at the edge defender position and kind of uh, and kind of see what the forecast for the future uh, looks like. You know, we're going to kind of break down Preston Smith's contract and show you where we can get out of that contract if indeed he does hit the wall there after 30. And uh, we'll also talk about what Rashawn Gary's fair market value looks like currently. There was some uh, stuff that came out today, some reports where people were talking about the number that, that we're probably looking at there with a the contract extension and how much guaranteed money, that type of thing. 
and then break down the rest of the edge defender room and kind of show you what what we look like as far as who is pretty much expected to come back next year and is that something that once again in the draft we may uh, try to uh, try to sure up that edge defender room with you know the same way we did this year with uh, with Kingsley and Igbar you know coming on to the team so that's what we got on tap today let's waste no time and jump right into the history segment and cover the the uh, the legend Willie Davis. All right, Willie Davis attended college at Grambling State University, where he played football for the Tigers at both offensive tackle and defensive end. His professional career, Davis was selected with pick number 181 in the 15th round of the 1956 NFL Draft, so another late late round guy who turned out to be a Hall of Famer. He was actually drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he didn't start his career until the 1958 season, however, uh, due to military service in the United States Army. Davis wore number 77 and played at various positions on both offense and defense for the Browns before being traded to the Green Bay Packers in 1960. Now, I'm not sure if it was Jack Manisi um, before his death that uh, he was traded, uh, you know, Willie Davis was traded for. If I remember correctly, Jack Manisi was not credited with acquiring Willie Davis. He, however, you know, did acquire Willie Wood a couple years before. I'm wondering if this, uh, this would have to be Vince Lombardi that recognized Willie Davis's talent and traded for him. That's pretty cool. Uh, Davis wore number 87 during his career with the Packers, where he was moved to a permanent position at defensive end by Vince Lombardi. So, again, he, uh, you know, kind of uh, moved around a little bit as far as positions go, and Lombardi settled on, all right, we're going to put him at defensive end. He played there for 10 seasons, and he anchored the Packers' defensive line, playing 138 consecutive regular season games and part of 172 regular season games for his NFL career. Uh, Davis was a member of all five of Lombardi's NFL title winning teams and played in Super Bowls one and two. Davis played in an era where neither tackles nor sacks were official statistics. However, John Turney, a member of the Professional Football Researchers Association, which if you guys haven't heard of the uh, the PFRA, you need to check them out. They're really, really cool. They went back in time and, and essentially um, studied tape, uh, studied old box scores, and uh, basically tallied up stats that otherwise would have been lost forever. Um, you know, until someone else would have researched them. So that's pretty cool. That's kind of how the sack numbers were. Uh, they went back in time and, and determined some of the older players and, and how many sacks they had. But reports, they reported that Davis had an excess of 100 sacks during his 10-year Green Bay career from 1960 to 1969, possibly more than 120 sacks, including a minimum of 40 over the 1963 through 1965 seasons alone. Davis himself is quoted as saying, I would think I would have to be the team's all-time leader in sacks. I played 10 years and I averaged in the teens in sacks for those 10 years. I had 25 in one season. Paul Horning just reminded me of that the other day. Davis earned All-Pro honors five times, 1962, 64 through 67. He was voted to the Pro Bowl five times, 1963 through 1967. Davis recovered 21 fumbles over his Packer career, which more than three decades removed from his retirement remains a team record. The Packers honored his retirement with a Willie Davis Day on December 21, 1969. Davis served as a team's board on the team's board of directors as well. During his early years with the Packers, Davis, along with other players, lived in the Hotel Northland. You guys heard us talking about that in the Green Bay Community episode of, uh, of the Packers History segment. Um, pretty cool that it's getting mentioned here 
And uh, like I said, he actually lived in the Hotel Northland. He often told the story about how he, along with visiting officials, CBS broadcasters and crew, were awoken the morning of the Ice Bowl by a wake-up call from the front desk announcing the time and that the temperature was 17 degrees below zero. Davis was also credited with following Vince Lombardi's lead and having no one associated with the team treat any man differently regardless of race. So this is something that Lombardi did. I kind of alluded to it during the Jack Venisi episode and how Lombardi uh, really uh, really set the standard when it comes to a NFL head coach in a time that it would be very difficult to have this stance. He was taking he he, he was putting up with no crap when it comes to racism. And uh, and he basically put Davis in a position to kind of lead in, uh, in, in, in that regard of, all right, look, we have to have a standard on our team that racism will not be tolerated. And, uh, and I think it's just really cool that Lombardi kind of took that stance. And as I alluded to in a past episode, you know, it's, it's amazing how people looked at Green Bay and to this day, they look at Brown County, Wisconsin, like it's, it's just all white people. And, and, you know, you got to kind of deal with racism up there. It's so silly. I've heard it so much in the past. And, and when you go up there, you see that's not the case at all. It's just one of the, the coolest communities you could ever visit. But, uh, uh, again, he said he was, uh, you know, credited with following Vince Lombardi's lead and having no one associated with the team treat treat any man differently, regardless of race. Davis would intentionally take the leadership position to offer uh, to have lunch and dinner with players that had never played on an integrated team or eaten at the same table with an African American. Davis proactively and positive positively ensured that they. Uh, acclimated well to Lombardi's culture of inclusion. So again, Lombardi's culture of inclusion is kind of the title that they give that. And, uh, and you know, the fact that he was put in a position by Lombardi, like, look, here's a man who is at the top of his field, at the top of his profession. He's someone who is well-educated, coming from Grambling State University, studied business and and all of that. I'm going to put him in a position to kind of lead this cause and, and unite people, unite the team and say, all right, look, there is going to be no racial division whatsoever. And I've got a quick uh, video clip or audio clip I'm going to play, and I give credit to this from America's Game, um, which was presented by the NFL Network, but it's about three minutes long, but guys, really listen to this story. Bill Curry tells this story, you know, the uh, the past center for the Packers. And I actually got to listen to Bill Curry speak at a business conference about four or five years ago. And he told this very story live. And the fact that I was able to find it in a clip on America's Game is really awesome. Just listen how powerful this is and the effect that Willie Davis had on Bill Curry's life. In his own mind, Curry did not feel welcomed by all the factions on the team. Here I was from College Park, Georgia, had never been in a huddle with an African-American. I wanted to be accepted, but I didn't know how. Trying to integrate into that great a team. Of course, we're, of course we're anxious, but we have the greatest defense I think ever assembled, and they always come up with a big play, always. All my life I had been taught, not by my parents, but by the culture in which I lived, that we were different and that we were better than other people. In my heart of hearts, I knew there was something wrong with that, but I didn't know quite how to articulate it or how to behave because there was Lionel Aldridge, David Robinson, Herb Adderley, Willie Wood, and I thought that they would hear my southern accent, injure me, and send me home. And who could have blamed them? We were right in the middle of the civil rights movement. The cities were burning. 
because of this tension I felt, I didn't know how to act. And uh, the most intimidating of them all was Willie Davis, the defensive captain, who was from Grambling State University, was working on his master's degree in business at the University of Chicago and shattered every racist stereotype that I had learned growing up in the South. Playing with you, you got to be, you know, the finest outside linebacker in football. And hell, having you there surely hasn't hurt me over these last five years. You taught me how to play defense, baby. And I mean that from my heart. I'm walking out of the dorm one night at St. Norbert College, and this voice comes out of the darkness. Bill, it was Willie Davis. I thought it was God. I just sat out in the grass, terrified. It was Willie Davis. He said, I'd like to speak with you. And I said, oh, no, this is it. He's going to tell me to go home. And uh, I said, okay. He said, I've been watching you at practice. I think you've got a chance to make our team. And I'm going to help you. When Nitschke's snapping your face mask and breaking your nose, and Lombardi's screaming in your face, and there's blood everywhere, and you don't think you can take another step, you look at me, and I'll get you through it. He didn't just help me to play in the NFL for 10 years. He changed my life because I was never able to look at another human being, any human being, in the same way I had. It was an unexpected, undeserved, unrewarded act of kindness by a great leader and a great man. I've never forgotten that moment. And that is the difference in the outstanding teams and the others. If you got Willie Davis, nobody can beat you. Such a powerful, powerful clip there. Uh, you know, the quote, you know, if you've got Willie Davis, nobody can beat you. It just says a lot of how his teammates looked at him. And, and hearing Bill Curry tell that story, like I said, at that business conference live and in person, um, you could just hear the emotion in his voice and uh, and how much that guy impacted him. So pretty cool. Now, a lot of people don't know that later in life, Willie Davis, uh, in the early 1970s, he actually worked as a color commentary uh, commentator rather on NFL telecast for NBC. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1981. In 1986, Davis was named the Walter Camp Man of the Year. In 1987, he was given the Career Achievement Award from the NFL alumni. And in 1988, he was elected to the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame. In 99, Davis was ranked number 69 on the Sporting News list of the 100 greatest football players. As far as career highlights and awards, he was a two-time Super Bowl champion and, uh, you know, obviously Super Bowl one and two, five-time NFL champion from uh, 1961, 1962, then 65 through 67, five-time first-team All-Pro in 62, then 64 through 67, second-team All-Pro in 1963. Uh, five-time Pro Bowler from 1963 to 1967, NFL 1960s All-Decade Team, and obviously in the Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame. So Willie Davis, uh, one of those players that will go down as a legend in uh, Green Bay Packer history, and uh, not only on the field, but just as a man, a person off the field. And uh, I love what Bill Curry said about how he he uh, he basically uh, destroyed every racist stereotype that he had learned growing up in the South. It's just, uh, it's amazing how some people choose to go a different route rather than being loud and just trying to, you know, uh, trying to vocalize all your displeasure. Willie Davis was a different type of cat, man. He was like, you know what? I'll rip your heart out on the field. 
And then in my spare time, I'm just going to go out and get a business degree and show you that I'm way smarter than you are and that skin color doesn't matter. So pretty cool stuff. That's your history segment uh, for the for the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Now we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to jump right back into uh, breaking down the edge defenders and let's look at their contract situation. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Okay, I'm sure you guys have caught on. <laughs> I've mentioned uh, so many times before that, that uh, you know, I look at, what we call elite positions in in the game of football, quarterback, left tackle, or right tackle. If you're a lefty, it's so rare you got a left-handed quarterback. So uh, basically, quarterback, left tackle, and edge defender are elite positions. Those are the positions that you're willing to set the market and pay top dollar because they are very, very important. We've seen that with Rashawn Gary last year, taking a huge step, right? Well, um, what we're going to do is look at the contracts. Okay, We're going to put our GM cap on and kind of take a look and see how this thing breaks down. And let's start with the most expensive, and that is Mr. Preston Smith. You know, Preston Smith just signed a uh, five-year extension, right? And we're going to kind of look at the cap hit. Okay, starting in 2022, again, he's at the top of the list at $11.4 million of the cap hit. He, like I said, he has a five-year contract, okay? That includes this year. Next year's cap hit jumps up to $13 million, okay? The dead cap for this year, let me backtrack, is $19 million. Obviously, there's no way they would cut. If they cut him, they would lose $8 million. That's that's just crazy to even think about. But in 2023, $13 million cap hit with a $9.7 million dead cap penalty. So you see right there, if they were to cut him next year, they're freeing up $4 million, okay? Going to 2024, he has a $14.8 million cap hit, and uh, dead cap is $7.3 million. So if you cut him there, you free up $7 million. In 2025, he's got a $15.8 million cap hit. If you cut him there, you uh, you only have a dead cap of four point eight. So you see you're freeing up $11 million. So essentially, this is exactly what uh, you know Andrew Brandt talks about is these five-year deals are basically two- and three-year deals. Okay, so that's exactly what you see here with Preston Smith. Obviously, uh, you know, this year he's going to be 30 years old. Let's say that he performs decent this year. 
let's say next year he kind of falls off the map. And in 2024, we're looking to cut him, okay? In 2024, we would cut him. Yes, there's a $7.3 million dead cap. However, you're freeing up $7 million in cap space, and you're moving on from a player that at that point may not be as effective. Who knows? He may perform well up to the age of 34. We've seen people in the past like Julius Peppers. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to compare Preston Smith to Julius Peppers, but you've seen that it is possible. It can be done. So we're kind of hoping for that because when it comes to Preston Smith, um, I really like him. He's one of my favorite players on the team. Okay, so moving on, the next uh, highest paid player is Rashawn Gary. And when you look at Rashawn Gary's uh, contract, um, this year his cap hit, is actually right at $5 million, okay? So $5 million for one of the uh, up-and-coming uh, edge defenders in the entire league, I think, is a an absolute bargain, obviously. Well, they picked up his fifth-year option. So going into next year, his cap hit is going to be $10.8 million. That's if they do not do a contract extension. I'm pretty sure that if they were to work out a contract extension this year, which I personally think is the time to do it, because if he comes out uh, this year, guys, and he just absolutely comes out like gangbusters, right? And he goes off. Um, that number's only going to go up, you know? And, and what's crazy, though, is I said the same thing about Jair Alexander, but Jair Alexander coming off an injury, kind of had a down year. It played perfectly into Brian Gutekunst's hands that he could, you know, throw him some guaranteed money and kind of persuade him into signing that long-term contract. And I think that was a great move by Goody. I really, really do. I think it worked out great for the Packers. I would like to see him get Rashawn Gary under contract as soon as possible, okay? And when you kind of look at what they're projecting he's going to be worth, I'm going to hop over here to uh, Over the Cap. That's another uh, really cool uh, website. If you haven't seen it, it's overthecap.com. And just to kind of look at, you know, what he's worth, there's been multiple, uh, you know, different, uh, I guess you could say, opinions on what his contract is worth. Um, this one here, I'm pretty sure they were saying right at $26 million is what Over the Cap was saying is his fair market value. And then when you look at the market value on Spotrack, Spotrack actually shows that Rashawn Gary's fair market value is uh, right at $20 million per year. Okay, so if you meet somewhere in between there, you're looking at, let's say, $23 million, right? 23 to $25 million is what you're looking at per year. But again, yeah, it looks like here, Spotrack saying $20.5 million is a fair market value. Um, also, earlier over the cap was saying that someone reported on that his guaranteed money would be somewhere around $45 million. Why is that important? It's important because... First of all, Rashawn Gary is very, very young. We don't have to worry about him aging any, you know, anytime soon. It's not like he's just going to come out and and fall off the face of the earth. He's literally 24 years old, guys. So, I would like to see them lock him up to a six or a seven year deal. I mean, could you imagine capitalizing on the cap hit now, right? Uh, imagine three years from now what the cap hit will be, the uh, the fair market value per year cap hit would be for the edge defender. I mean, by then, it's it's liable to be... I mean, they're saying that Bosa in San Francisco is seeking $30 million, right? So if if we get him right now at, let's say it is $25 million per, okay, on average, and you lock him into a six-year deal, before his contract, he, he will not hit 30 years old before that contract is up, okay? And if you've got him locked into an average per year of $25 million, just think three years from now, that number is going to be $35, $40 million a year for the top edge defenders in the game. 
okay? It's all going to come down to the Packers look at Rashawn Gary the same way we as fans do. And I, and I say we, I really believe that's the majority. I think everyone really came to the realization of just how good this this kid is. I mean, he is he is really going to be able to step into his own. I was, you know, you heard the highlights at the beginning of the show here. I was watching that highlight reel from last year. And wow, man, I was watching the Cardinals game the other night, right? The Packers-Cardinals games where Rasul Douglas got the pick there at the end of the game. Well, there was another pick. I believe it was Henry Black that got an interception earlier in the game. And when you watch that play, Rashawn Gary was the absolute reason that uh, that pick happened. You know, the old Pat Kerwin saying, pressure picks, coverage sacks. You know, good coverage leads to sacks, and, and good pressure leads to picks. And that's exactly what Rashawn Gary did. He doesn't show up in the sack stat column that much, but the things he does in the running game is phenomenal. His backside pursuit, his containability. I mean, yes, he, he's got he's got stuff to work on, but this kid's got, you know, the uh, the talent and the upside to be one of the greats. And we all know how much he loves Green Bay. That's what fires me up so much about Rashawn Gary. He's put cheese on everything. That's what he's always saying, right? Bang Gary, put put cheese on everything. I love it. So he's a Packer through and through. Um, I love the fact that when Zadarius Smith put his little snide tweets out when he signed with Minnesota, he put meet at the quarterback, and he had a picture of uh, of, uh, of Aaron Rodgers getting sacked. Rashawn Gary came right back and said, uh, completely agree. And he showed a picture of him and Preston Smith, I believe it was, sacking Kirk Cousins. Because Rashawn Gary goes to bat, man. He is what Aaron Negler says, carries the G, right? That's exactly what Rashawn Gary is. So I want to see him lock him into a long-term contract. But what's cool is we've protected ourselves with that fifth-year option. We don't have to worry about losing him after this year, obviously. He's going to be under contract for $10 million next year. I mean, literally $10 million. That is $15 million less cap hit than what the fair market value chart is showing. So I think that's going to be phenomenal there. So coming in at number three, we've got Jonathan Garvin. Um, he's coming in at $914,000 uh, know, cap hit, and he's got two years left on his deal. And then coming in at number four, you got Randy Ramsey. He's uh, 895000 at one year, so only one year left on his contract. So you're going to see him probably walk into free agency. I don't see them re-signing him unless he's just willing to take the minimum. And then you've got Kingsley Enigbar, the uh, the rookie pass rusher, which I got to be honest, man, I'm I'm pretty excited about. You know, you've heard me and Jacob talk about it, you know, over and over and over. Um, I think that this is a guy that's going to come in much like Rashawn Gary and be able to sit on the bench and kind of learn how to play edge defender in the in the pro game. And it would be really cool in two years to see him step up. Remember that window we talked about with with Preston Smith. Let's say in uh, in two years he's kind of hit the wall and he's starting to decline. Well, we can look up and let's say Enigbar is actually developed, you know, has developed and surpassed Preston Smith with his declining ability. And let's say he's, uh, you know, let's say he's grading out by then in two years. Enigbar at a 75 on PFF, right? Well, now you've got a guy for two more years at roughly, by then it'll be right at a million dollars a year cap hit. Uh, Kingsley Enigbar is sitting at $765,000 cap hit this year, guys, and he's on a four-year deal. So I feel like the edge defender room is healthy. Preston Smith's age is a little bit concerning, but at the same time, with the way that that's structured, we can get out of that contract very, very easily, right? And when it comes to Rashawn Gary's contract extension, what I would like to see 
is let's say they do throw that $45 million at him guaranteed, right? Well, I'm pretty sure that was figured on a four-year deal. So if you did a six, you're looking at $60 million guaranteed. That's probably the only thing that would keep the Packers from doing uh, anything over a four-year extension. Um, it seems like they, they've, they've been doing four- and five-year extensions with their contracts. But you know they're going to do, if at all possible, they're going to front-load the guaranteed money. So on the backside, they can get out of the contract if for some ungodly reason, you know, Rashawn Gary uh, just kind of flops, right? And he hits a wall, and he's not the guy that we thought he was going to be. We can get out of that contract later. But I do. I think he's going to be a stud. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a stud for years to come. And he is going to be a great, great mentor for Kingsley and Igbar, just the same way that Preston Smith and the turd and the punch bowls of Darius Smith were for Rashawn Gary. You know, J.J. Lay, he tweeted something out the other day, and he was – I don't want to put words into J.J.'s mouth, but he was showing a Rich Eisen clip from the Rich Eisen show where it was uh, Zadarius Smith, you know, just an interview. And Zadarius Smith's tone completely changed in that interview. And and I'm one that's like, ah, you know, kind of the old saying, I believe <laughs> I believe Jimbo Fisher said it the other day when he was ranting about uh when he was ranting about Nick Saban. He said, you know, his his daddy told him that when when somebody shows you who they really are, believe them. And uh, that's how I feel about Zadarius Smith. But the way it's amazing how two people can watch that. And I'm not saying I'm right and JJ's wrong. I'm not saying he's right and I'm wrong, right? Um, you know, it's amazing how people in today's society you can't have two differing opinions without feeling like the other one's a moron. It just it's it blows my mind how grown adults can't agree to disagree. But he watched that, and the vibe I got, and, and JJ, if you if you're listening to this podcast, whenever you're listening to it, um, tweet at me. And tell me exactly how you felt about it. Because the vibe I got was you didn't feel like it was that bad with Zadarius. You know, because, I mean, on the Rich Eisen show, if that's all you had to go off of, I completely agree. Didn't sound that bad. But the part that bothered me was the stuff he did before, he didn't mention any of that. And Rich kept trying to talk about it. You know, kind of kind of like, oh, yeah, there's a little... Because Rich likes to stir the pot, especially against people that have differing political opinions than he does. I've noticed that from the get-go. It's amazing how... Uh, People want to include politics as long as you agree with them, but the second you disagree, then all of a sudden it's an issue. But that's a, a topic for another day. Uh, but the thing that that got me was they didn't talk about too much about all the the negative stuff that Zadarius said. He didn't come across the hey man, is it true that you didn't get voted team captain by your your uh, your teammates and you uh, and and that ticked you off? Is it true that you chose not to travel with the team most of the year for that very reason? He didn't he didn't cover none of those questions, which they never do. They just want to feed that narrative. So with that being said, Zadarius Smith uh, also said in that interview, and this really, really bothered me, it's like he took all the credit for mentoring Rashawn Gary. Like, it, it was amazing to me. It was it was just like, yeah, yeah, I've enjoyed mentoring him. He's a great player and this and that. Like, what? what? See, it's just still in that shine. That, that always cracks me up, how someone will, in, in a uh, nonchalant way, try to get recognition for something. And who knows? He may be the very reason that Rashawn Gary's great. But to go on national television, on a national nationally televised show, and a podcast that's heard by, you know, as, as many people as any podcast, and, and try to, you know, kind of just take credit for that, I don't know, man. I, I just, I call BS. I think the dude's fake. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to the Packers playing against them. And why not talk about that now with the edge defender room? But I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm from the old school of if you have to say something about yourself, it's probably not true. And I, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm explaining that well enough. 
If you have to brag on yourself about something you do well, then chances are you're just you're trying to overcompensate for something that you're lacking. And uh, that's kind of what I see with Zadarius. And you know me, guy. I'm a I'm a Kentucky fan. And and there's some people going, oh, you're just you're you're just mad because he's not with the Packers anymore and he left. You liked him when he was here. I liked him two years ago when he didn't act like a crybaby. I loved him at Kentucky. I loved the fact that he came into the league and, and tore it up in Baltimore and got the big contract with the Packers. I was ecstatic, right? But to me, it just seems like he got a little bit too big for his britches. Um, I don't know. You know, you could sit there and say that that I'm, I'm just you know I don't like him because he's not on the Packers roster now. But to be honest with you, look at Devontae Adams. I have no qualms with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a class act. I respect the heck out of Devontae Adams because he just stepped up and said, I don't want to be here. I want to go play with my, my college quarterback, and I want to play in this town. And you guys owe it to me to give me that. And I love the fact that Brian Gutekinds was a bigger man and said, you know what, okay, we'll do that. We got you. All right, keep it under wraps. Let's get the deal done, and we'll trade you to where you want to go in Vegas. I think that's awesome. I really, really do. So it has nothing to do with the uniform he's wearing, although I hate that purple. I think it's the just the, the most disgusting uniform in all of football. I, I don't feel that way about the Chicago Bears. I don't feel that way about the Detroit Lions. There's no other team in the league that I hate worse than the Minnesota Vikings, and the main reason is because those fans walk around as if they have something to be proud of, and they absolutely don't. They haven't won a single championship, not one. And if you were to talk to them, oh my gosh, it's like their team hung the moon, right? Hearing little crybaby Florio, Karen Florio over there at Pro Football Talk, running his mouth all the time. It's just amazing how someone with a platform like that can go out and bash the Packers week in and week out. You know, bash Aaron Rodgers. He put another article out the other day. Cracked me up. It was with Aaron Rodgers being fifty, uh, you know, making fifty million dollars per year. You know, talking about the bad spot he's put the Packers in. I'm like, you, you. I mean, I, okay, if you want to keep calling it fifty million per year, go right ahead. That's not what he's counting against the cap this year. That's not what he's counting against the cap next year. That's not what he's counting against the cap the next year after that. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. It just. It amazes me how they find the negative in everything that are Packers. So um, if you guys haven't caught on, I have, a, I have a real problem with the media. I do, man. Especially sports media. And and we're done with the Edge Defender segment here. So if you want to hear me rant a little bit, hang around. If not, go ahead and skip to the next podcast. But here's the thing that I have, uh, uh, the biggest issue I have with sports media is, especially when callers call into their shows, and a caller will be making a good point. I'm like, oh, yes, thank God this dude called in. Put them in their place. They get halfway through what it is they want to talk about. The host will cut them off. Little squeaky Pfeiffer. I'm just going to leave it there. I won't say his real name. But uh, he, he loves to do it. He loves to prod. Every poll he does on Twitter, he's coming out of Milwaukee, right? Every time he does a poll on Twitter, it's something negative. It's, it's baiting Packer fans to come in and complain. And it just makes for miserable sports talk radio. It does. And somebody will call in to disagree with him. He'll cut them off mid-sentence, mute their call, talk about why they're wrong, hang up on him, and move on to the next caller. I'm like, that is the biggest pile of chicken you-know-what that I've ever heard. It amazes me. I heard another guy earlier today, he was uh, complaining about um, God, he was complaining about a, a number of things. And they were talking about Jordan Love, right? And, and and saying, you know, I just there's no trade buzz around Jordan Love. That should tell you exactly what the league thinks about him. And 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 I'm thinking that means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Like the fact that teams aren't willing to give up a boatload because you know the Packers are asking for a haul. 
They didn't draft this guy to turn around and flip him for picks. Now, if Aaron hangs around long enough and it makes sense to trade him, absolutely. But they acted like they were openly shopping him on the market, which that's not what we've heard, right? And and they this is the point that he went on to make. He said, well, I remember, you know, when Aaron Rodgers was a backup, there was constant talk about trading him. What? Wait, what, were we watching the same team? Were we listening to the same reports? Like, I don't remember anybody talking about these teams are just clamoring over Aaron Rodgers and they want to trade for him. Are you? I mean, like, he fell that far in the draft, into the 20s in the draft. All the other teams passed on him. The Packers drafted him. He sat on the bench for how many years? And you're going to sit here and act like there was this huge trade market this for him, that the teams were just lined up around the bin. And, you know, at the time, what I remember hearing as a Packer fan is, well, man, they went and drafted a quarterback in the second round in Brian Brom. It's like, wow, Rodgers must not be the guy. That That's what was going on in sports talk. Them carrying three quarterbacks on the roster, right? There wasn't trade. It just amazes me how guys with a microphone, they put a microphone in front of them and they just feel like, oh, I could just be dishonest. And, and these listeners are so stupid. They're not going to, you know, go check anything, you know? Yeah, I can just say what I want, and, I, and I'm the professional. He's the same type of guy. Cuts the callers off. Doesn't let them speak. And it, it just cracks me up, man. They're up on this this high and mighty tower, and they pretend pretend as if they know more than everybody else. And half the damn time, they don't even know what they're talking about. It just blows my mind. I mean, it, it truly, it's it's amazing. It really is. So, you know, he went on to say another comment. He said, yeah, um, you know, the the media's kind of backed off Rodgers now and this and that. And said, well, you know, yeah, because he, he goes on Pat McAfee and uses that as a, as his little echo chamber. Echo? No. You guys are so upset that this man has a platform where he can defend himself. It is hilarious. Because he you can you can get on the radio every single day and say whatever you want to say about him. And bash him and talk about his personal life, talk about how he's not a leader, although his teammates voted him a captain. I don't know how that happens, right? Um, every teammate other than Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley have basically said he is an awesome teammate. Go ask James Jones. Go ask Jordy Nelson. You know, go ask uh, uh, you know all, all the linemen that's played with him. Your T.J. Langs, right? That that went on to play for other teams that absolutely love him. Go ask people in the locker room today. Go ask Mercedes Lewis. And then they want to pretend like he's just this bad influence in the locker room. Right? And then you they get mad because Aaron has this platform to go speak his mind. You know? You know, there's been many things that Aaron Rodgers has said that I disagreed with. Right? But that's the beauty of it. We have the right to disagree. Now, imagine me getting upset going, I can't believe that guy. He went on the Pat McAfee show, and he, he disagreed with what I have to say. How dare him use use a source, use a platform to get his opinion out and try to overshadow mine. And what's really funny is this same, this very same talk show host sat there and bashed the McAfee show over and over and over for so long. I listened to it for so long, talking about how it's not real media, and they're a bunch of clowns, and they're a bunch of goofballs, and this and that. And then when it came to Super Bowl week, and FanDuel put this huge stage up for the McAfee show, you should have heard. He was literally, you could see him set up across the room from the McAfee show stage. And the guy made several comments going, wow, they got quite the setup over there for the McAfee show. Man, that looks beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, your, your, your tone changes when people are in the room, right? It just amazes me. 
It amazes me how these guys, they run that mouth. And then when they come face-to-face with someone or have to debate someone, like Aaron at, at press conferences right there, right there at Lambeau Field, I love it. I love watching him. When he told the reporter last year, I think it was last year, when he was talking, the reporter cut him off. He said, yeah, I'm not finished. Thank you. And then stared at him for about five seconds. I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, Aaron, for going in there and putting him in check. And, and I'm not saying he's perfect. And, and I agree with Ryan. There was definitely smoke. I mean, there was definitely fire. A lot of people were saying, oh, there was just a little bit of smoke. It wasn't a big... No, there was fire. Aaron was ticked off. He and the front office were not getting along. They did not see eye to eye. Nobody's debating that, right? You cannot look back on it and convince yourself that there wasn't something there. There wasn't a problem there, right? But he came back. He and Goody... You know, got together, got it figured out. Now he's under contract. He's the quarterback of the future. You've got these guys that are covering the team day in and day out, and they sound miserable that Aaron is uh, is going to be the quarterback for the foreseeable future. And it just cracks me up, man. It does. But again, the whole media thing, it's like just like with the little squeaky up there in Milwaukee. He he likes to cut people off mid sentence because he's got he's a he's a he's got the little man syndrome. He's got to have all the power, right? He, he wants to have the button that he can shut people off before they get their full opinion out there. And, you know, Aaron goes up here on a national stage and tells them like it is. I freaking love it. Unfiltered. That's the way, you know, I don't get me wrong. I don't like the language they use. That's something I really, really try to pay attention to. That's the most unprofessional, ugly thing you can do is just having a bad mouth. And, and they go overboard with it. I 100% agree. If, if that's how you feel, I completely agree with you. But the fact that he gets up there and tells him exactly what's on his heart, ain't that what we want out of our athletes? Don't we want to know what's really on their mind? Isn't it amazing that these same people that run these radio shows, they'll complain because a head coach gives a cliche answer or a quarterback gives a cliche answer and everything's just kind of dumbed down. They talk for 20 minutes and they don't really tell you anything. These are the things that they always talk about. But then when someone speaks their mind and the truth and it's not it doesn't line up with their beliefs, it doesn't line up with the player they think it should be, it doesn't line up with their political beliefs, all of a sudden now they're wrong. I can't believe they got a platform like that. You know, we got a saying down here, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, right? Yeah, you you got that microphone on, boy, and you can mute mute callers and control the narrative all you want, but when someone else can speak their mind, yeah. You tuck your tail and run. So I just, I don't know, I respect that. And and that goes for the people that I disagree with. There's been many athletes that I disagree with, to be honest with you. There's so many topics I could get into, but they're they're hot-button topics, and I don't want to create any more division than there is. But I just think it's great with the technology we have, with the Internet, and how everything's set up, especially with Twitter. I love Twitter, man. Twitter is awesome. The way that you can communicate literally across the globe instantaneously and, and you can debunk things so quickly as far as, you know, is that a real rumor? Is it not? You know, I love insider takes. If you guys haven't haven't followed them yet, you definitely want to go follow them. Uh, insider takes is a, a good follow where they're actually checking media sources that they have, quote unquote, insider information. And they're kind of breaking that down and, and seeing, you know, what's actual, what's factual and what isn't. I love how that's set up. So uh, one other thing I want to say here before we get out, guys, we've got an email address. I had a couple people ask me. I actually had a buddy back home. He's been listening to the podcast, and he's like, man, there's got to be an email address like you know that, that we can send stuff in, like questions and things like that, right? Because some people aren't on Twitter, and I don't blame them, man. Twitter can be toxic. It can be horrible at times. Um, I think I personally think it's getting better now that uh, that you know uh, people aren't being 
you know, silenced as much. You can kind of speak your mind and, and, you know, don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's a lot of things that go overboard, but I just love the fact that we can actually openly communicate now. Um, but there's an, an email address that you can actually send questions to and feedback. We've been getting great feedback in the inbox and the DMs, I should say, um, on Twitter. Keep those coming. That's probably the most efficient way for me to respond to messages, and we appreciate the support. But this uh, Gmail address is going to be it's going to be really easy. Packers total access at gmail.com. There's no underscore or anything. Packers total access at gmail.com. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not on Twitter and you'd like to give feedback or you'd like to ask a question or just just you know have a conversation, what have you, uh, hit us up on that Gmail account and uh, and bring up a topic or ask a question and we'll try to get to it on the air and uh, and get those uh, those questions answered. So um, we're going to go that route with that. And again, uh, you know, I've had people ask me about Patreon. Don't, you know, if you want to donate to a Patreon to support my show, go find a local GoFundMe or a charity that you can help someone in need and donate to that, okay? Um, Again, I'm not knocking people who have Patreon and all that stuff. I think it's a great tool. I'm signed up on Patreon with Ryan. I'm signed up on Patreon with several other people that I really, really like to follow. I think it's a great program. I'm just saying, don't worry about sending me anything, um, that money that you would have sent, go go put it towards something else and then tag me in a tweet and say, hey, man, the money I was going to send to Patreon, I put to this GoFundMe and it's going to help this person out because I don't think we can talk about that stuff too much. We need to be helping each other out, especially in this this crazy world that our, uh, oh boy, our leaders have got us uh, living in. So anyway, that's the new Gmail account. Um, and that's not that's not to bash one, you know, one side, not the other. Trust me. I have so much ill will towards both sides, it's not even funny. So, um, with that being said, though, we are going to wrap the show up. There's no no huge breaking news here as I'm uh, ending this recording. There may be some stuff break late. Hopefully it doesn't. And if it does, maybe we can get it here and edit and add it in. But um, hope you enjoyed that episode. Edge Defender um, got the contracts broke down. We're sitting nice. We've got two solid Edge Defenders. we got a young one that may be a stub. we got to see. There's a reason he fell in the draft. We all know that. You know, someone's value is, uh, you know, in the draft, in my opinion, you're only worth where you were drafted until you prove otherwise. And I'm hoping that Kingsley does that. Really looking forward to having him on the roster and see how he develops. But we're solid on the edge. I really feel like that until Preston Smith starts to decline from age. We're good there. So we covered that. Willie Davis, awesome segment there. Um, Just a cool story. Nothing that I did special there. It was just the story that Bill Curry told, kind of taking you into the inside, you know, uh, the man that that Willie Davis was. And then on top of that, all the accolades, just an amazing Green Bay Packer. And it's always a good time when you get to bash the media a little bit and point out the fact that they – They've got their narratives, they're going to stick to it, and they don't care what anybody else's opinion is. I always have a good time just kind of pointing that out. And I think somebody should be. I really do. That's one thing that I think you can do on Twitter. You can do it in a respectful way, but get the point across that, hey, look, you know, without your listeners, you're nothing. So stop pretending like you're on this uh, this high and mighty uh, kick up on the ivory tower looking down at the little people. I can't stand that. And, uh, yeah, so um, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you listening. And uh, as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go!